Pizza. Pizza? Pizza. Hunger for some pizza now? Yeah, that's what we thought. Get yours at Domino's Hawaii. We deliver aloha. This podcast is sponsored by Kapili Solar Roofing, building peace of mind one roof at a time. Kids City Adventure, Hawaii's only indoor luxury playground. And Long's Drugs. Download the CVS app today and make Long's a part of your day. Aloha and good afternoon. Thank you all so much for joining us here on This Is Now. I'm Dylan Echetta alongside Mahalani Richardson in the H&N Digital Center, and we want to begin with some developing news. That's right. A U.S. military fighter jet shot down an unknown object flying off the coast of Alaska. These were orders from President Biden, White House officials say. This is a live look over Washington, D.C. Now, officials say the object was downed because it was flying at about 40,000 feet and posed a, quote, reasonable threat to the safety of civilian flights, not because of any knowledge that was engaged in surveillance. And we do have a story posted on our website right now for the very latest be sure to check your H&N digital platforms for more on that military action over Alaska let's bring in H&N's White House correspondent John Decker nice to see you John first question to you just hours ago it happened they shot this down described as a high altitude object what more have you learned since it happened there have been two briefings so far, Dylan. One, the White House press briefing. I attended that, asked a, a question to uh, John Kirby, uh, who formerly served as a a spokesman for the Pentagon. And then following that briefing, there was a briefing uh, which created greater detail. That was done by the Pentagon press secretary. What we know so far, we know that it was a high altitude object, not described as a balloon like the uh, uh, spy balloon that was shot down by an F-22 fighter jet uh, on Saturday of last week. Uh, however, we do not know at this point where this object emanated from. We don't know if it's from China or anywhere else. Uh, we know that the debris right now uh, is in U.S. territorial waters that are frozen uh, in the Arctic Ocean. And uh, we also know that this particular object was flying at 40,000 feet. That was the primary reason we are told by the Pentagon press secretary why this object was taken down, because it posed a risk to civilian aircraft that were flying at that general altitude level. Got it. Thank you so much for that. We also know here in Hawaii, military officials have declined to say whether an orb spotted over Kauai was a Chinese spy balloon. But more information about this so-called spying program has come to light. What are you learning about the alleged Chinese spy balloon program as a whole? And also, what more do we know about that balloon that was shot down on Sunday? This is a program we've learned that is uh, being administered by the Chinese military. Uh, this is a fleet of spy balloons, we are told, by both the State Department and the Pentagon. And these spy balloons have flown not just over U.S. airspace, but over the airspace of 40 different countries and five continents. So this is a very serious program. What we know about the Chinese spy balloon uh, that was shot down over U.S. territorial waters on Saturday is that 
It was shot down just off the coast of Florence, South Carolina. Recovery efforts continue. We know that there was sophisticated communications equipment on board the Chinese spy balloon, but the U.S. has not yet, from what we understand, recovered the payload, uh, which is perhaps uh, in a depth as uh, low as 70 feet. So those recovery efforts continue and they are expected to continue for the next few weeks. Got it. It's definitely something we will be keeping an eye on, especially for our U.S. intelligence forces. I want to shift gears now and talk about Mike Pence. We understand the FBI searched Pence's home in Indiana for classified documents. Was anything found there? And also, is Pence cooperating with this search? The former vice president is cooperating, and that's the reason why there was no subpoena required for the FBI to search through his home in Carmel, Indiana. Uh, we know from uh, what the FBI has told us that one additional document with classified markings was discovered during the course of this search. Uh, Mike Pence was, of course, the individual through his lawyer who I notified the National Archives, notified the Department of Justice several weeks ago that he himself had discovered classified documents in his possession. He is indeed cooperating with the FBI, and he called the fact that he had these classified documents within his possession a mistake. Uh, so that's where things stand right now. This uh, information was just disclosed by the FBI about this additional document with classified markings just within the past few hours. You mentioned no subpoena for this search, but we understand a subpoena in the investigation into January 6th. There are multiple reports that he has been subpoenaed by the special counsel investigating that date. What information is the council seeking from the former vice president and why did they have to subpoena him? Why couldn't they just say, hey, Mike, come and talk to us? That's a great question. I'll, I'll answer that question uh, speaking as a lawyer. Uh, there were ongoing negotiations between the Department of Justice and lawyers representing the former vice president. They had been going on for months, uh, and there was no agreement that was reached as it relates to the former vice president coming in and sitting before the grand jury to answer questions. And because there was no agreement, ultimately the special counsel Jack Smith decided he wanted to subpoena the former vice president to come and speak before the grand jury. What are they seeking? Information related to January 6th. The days leaving, leading up to January 6th, conversations that the former vice president had with former President Donald Trump, and also what was going on that day itself. What kind of communications did he have with former President Trump? Those are things that he has written about in his book that has come out in the last few months, but I think the grand jury wants greater detail beyond what he has already put out in that book. John Decker, with so much knowledge about all the happenings in Washington, thank you so much for this Washington wrap. H&N's White House correspondent, John Decker, always great to see you here on This Is Now. The other big story of the day is the strong winds that we are seeing across the islands. For more on this, let's bring in our guy, Hoggy. Guy, what are conditions like out there? Well, it's very windy, obviously. Some parts of the state getting stronger winds than others. In fact, the National Weather Service this morning extended the high wind warning for parts of Oahu. We're talking leeward side, north shore, central Oahu into town, as well as uh, parts of Hawaii Island. We're talking Waimea, uh, the Kohala area. Those areas could get gusts upwards of 70 miles an hour, which could lead to the same kind of um, destruction and 
you know, damage that we saw yesterday. Spotty power outages are likely today, maybe even to some extent tomorrow. Now remember, the rest of the state from Kauai to Hawaii Island are under a wind advisory. Less urgent, but still, we're talking about winds gusting upwards of 50 miles an hour for the rest of the state. So obviously, um, it's it's going to be, to some extent, a dangerous situation. Everybody got to pay attention. Yeah. What areas of the islands are most prone to seeing the strongest gusts? A good question. Most prone, probably the leeward sides, as well as the neighborhoods in the upper elevations, up in Mililani, central Oahu, uh, up in the uh, Koke area. Uh, here in Honolulu, you're talking about um, the upper elevation neighbors, Aleva, uh, up in Hawaii Kai, uh, up in St. Louis Heights, and that kind of stuff. Got it. Now, yesterday, we were... Uh, live streaming when uh, some poles down the road snapped like a toothpick. Mm -hmm. uh, is the, the strongest of the winds, have they passed us yet? Or can we expect to see more of this, more similar conditions? And also, uh, talk about earlier this morning, what kind of things popped up on your guys' radar, power outages this morning? Well, we had a brief power outage this morning for our, um, just before our show started. Oh, That's wow. here at Hawaii News Now. Uh -huh. And that was the case yesterday as well. So spotty power outages are likely. And no, we have not seen the worst of the winds. I mean, we'll likely see the winds that we saw yesterday probably pop up in some areas today. That's why that wind warning has been extended through tomorrow morning. So it's still going to be very windy in spots today. And we could see more down poles, more down trees, that sort of thing. The longer the winds stick around, the, the more things are apt to happen, right? And we are expecting the winds to slow down over the weekend, but not slow down altogether. It's still going to be very breezy for the next seven days. In fact, long-range models are saying next week, Thursday, we could see another round of wind as strong as the ones we're seeing right now. Got it. So all those Super Bowl parties, if you're planning something outdoors, tie down your tents. Make sure there's a, a napkin weight on your plates and your napkins so they don't all blow away. Last question for you to get into the science of this a little bit. Kind of amateur question. Mm -hmm. What is this? A high pressure system to the north, south, the front? What so is remember always that winds run from high pressure to low pressure. There's a very robust high pressure system up to the north, a very weak area of low pressure down to our uh, southwest and the pressure gradient, the difference between the two makes the hill bigger that the winds run down. And that's why the winds are so strong. Robust, uh, robust high pressure to the north and weak low pressure down to our south. Got there it. you go. Perfect. Our guy Hagi with more on the strong winds that we are seeing across the state. Be sure to have your Hawaii News Now weather mobile app downloaded right to your phone to get the latest alerts. I got mine. Now to the latest impacts from those powerful winds. We're getting reports of several poles down on Mamalahoa Highway in the Hamakua area. And we heard of a dust storm in the Saddle Road area. On Oahu, crews are making progress on cleanup this morning after high winds took down five large utility poles on Kokea Street between King Street and Dillingham Boulevard yesterday. It came down on one vehicle, but no one was hurt. Also early this morning, there were four power outages impacting nearly 1,300 customers from Evilay to Makiki and downtown. There were also smaller outages on the west and east sides. Nanakuli and Waianae are under a water conservation request. The Board of Water Supply says the area is experiencing low water pressure. We're told some Board of Water Supply pumps are not working because of power outages. Also, Kamaile Academy has canceled classes for the day. Well, we've learned some new details in the death of a man who was shot and killed by Honolulu police in 2021. Joining us now is our Emily Cristobal with that new information. Emily? Yes, Dylan. So Lindani Mayani, the man shot and killed by Honolulu police in April 2021, had a degenerative brain disease at the time of his death. 
The Associated Press reports Miami's autopsy revealed he suffered from stage 3 CTE, the disease commonly found in football players who suffer head trauma. Stage 4 CTE is the most severe. Experts say it's alarming that Miami had such a severe case, considering that he was just 29. Miami played rugby professionally before moving to Hawaii. His wife, Lindsay, said he had only two or three concussions that she knew of. She has said that he did not show any symptoms of CTE. However, Miami exhibited strange behavior leading up to the shooting, which made the Honolulu medical examiner suspect CTE. About half an hour before the shooting, Miami tried to enter an HPD patrol car at Cavallo Basin. Then he entered a home in Nu'uanu, where he walked into a chair and claimed a cat on the property was his. He attacked officers who responded, and Miami was shot and killed. Honolulu prosecuting attorney Steve Alm declined to prosecute the officers involved. He said Miami's CTE diagnosis is not surprising, but it does not change his view that deadly force was justified. Lindsay Miami has filed a wrongful death lawsuit claiming Miami was shot because he was black. This is Emily Cristobal from Hawaii News Now. The death toll continues to rise following the Syria-Turkey earthquake. Today, the number confirmed dead surpassed 22,000. For the survivors, hundreds of thousands are homeless after buildings crumbled to mere piles of rubble. There are also many children who are now orphans. CBS's Ian Lee has more on life after the disaster. They're fortunate to be alive, but no one would call these Turkish survivors lucky. Crews removed the rubble that used to be their homes. They look on, unsure of the future. We don't know what will become, this Turkish woman says. There's nothing to say. Life is over. Monday's earthquakes flattened entire neighborhoods. Now tens of thousands of people camp out in the bitter cold, with many afraid to return home, even if their buildings still stand. The disaster orphaned many children. Rescuers flew 16 babies out of the quake zone to a hospital in the country's capital. But as help from around the globe descends on Turkey, Syrians feel forgotten. <laughs> Duat Gadban lost her husband and three children. All she has left are their photos on her phone. She says, I could see my husband trapped under the collapsed ceiling and the bodies of my children above me. There were so many children. Aid slowly trickles into rebel-held areas. After years of war, these people knew suffering, but not like this. Nasser al-Waqa lost his wife and six of his children. We're used to airstrikes, rockets and barrel bombs, he says, but an earthquake, it's an act of God. Now they hope their prayers will bring peace to their suffering. Ian Lee, CBS News. Well, a new high school for students in Kihei is finished, but there's a holdup in getting those students onto campus. Our Chelsea Davis filed this report from Maui. The Land Use Commission was clear Thursday. The new Kihei High School will not open until the state builds a grade-separated pedestrian crossing like an overpass. It's a crisis. Damn, if we don't have a crisis on our hands, what are you the commission required the Department of Education to build the crossing 10 years ago so students can get to school safely. Instead, the state built a two-lane roundabout to slow traffic down on Pi'ilani Highway. It hoped that, along with other safety measures, would be sufficient. The public is outraged. When the DOE refuses to abide by them, they are jeopardizing the safety of their charges 
our children. All it takes is one accident. Why should we trust you? And frankly, we don't deserve to be trusted. It's bad. This is an, an unfortunate situation that should have never happened. State projects sometimes get like that. This is probably one of the worst. The DOE says Kulani Hakoi is a $120 million high school. It says an overpass could take five years to build and cost up to $20 million, money they don't have. The roundabout already had a $16 million price tag. We fast-tracked the roundabout by using money that could have been used to build an overpass. Yes. And that's why Yes. There are currently 38 students in Kulani Hakoi High School's freshman class who are at a temporary location until their school can legally open. I want to apologize to our students uh, for putting them through this and disappointing them. Chelsea Davis, Hawaii News Now. Sad news from the surfing community. Legendary surf cinematographer Larry Haynes has died. He reportedly passed away while at Laniakea. Tributes have been pouring in, including from pro surfer Kelly Slater. On Instagram, he wrote, quote, It's hard to imagine a surfing world without Larry in it always screaming us into waves and throwing good vibes. The Hawaii LGBT Legacy Foundation Mahui is holding a Pride family event on Saturday at the Bishop Museum. It'll be from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. and is free to the public. The event will feature Hawaiian and Pacific crafts, activities, food, music, and vendors. There will also be a high school drag competition. Kama'aina Sundays are coming back to Iolani Palace. The monthly event will return starting Sunday, March 12th. Local residents can enjoy free tours, entertainment, family-friendly activities, and ono food options. Free activities and tours will run from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Guests will be able to visit the private quarters of the Royal Monarchs on the first and second floors, as well as the basement gallery exhibitions. Well, this year's lay court candidates are in. Melody Vega, Leilani Kahoano, and Charlene Horano are in the running to be selected for the 94th annual lay court. They reign over the city's May Day festivities. The candidates must be proficient in Hawaiian culture, including Olelo Hawaii, hula, and of course, laymaking. Each year, the lay court selection rotates through four age brackets. This year is Nakupuna, or the elders. The selection event will take place at Kapolehale on March 4th at 9 a.m. Aloha no, aloha kako. I'm Billy V from Hawaii News Now Sunrise Weekends. Here are some of the stories that we're looking forward to bringing you this weekend. Of course, Kyle Chinin will stop by and we'll talk about the Boys Basketball State Championships. It's basketball time and games are on. It's... We'll find out who the winners are and talk about them. Also, there's going to be a Valentine's Day event fundraiser for homeless animals. We'll talk about Natalie Aikomo and why she's moved to Japan and what is happening with the state legislature. We'll dive in and we'll also dive into the big game Sunday. We'll get a preview of entertainment and food. It's all coming up on K5 and on the digital platforms of Hawaii News Now, Sunrise Weekends from 7 to 9 a.m.
And we've got a lot of traffic and more weather to talk about, Dylan. This is a live look outside at downtown Honolulu. Now, you can't see it right now, but there is a traffic situation on Pully Highway because of a fallen tree. Police say Pully Highway, Kailua bound on the town side, is closed by Walkanaka. And it, that's on the left lane that's closed because of that fallen tree. Police say drive with caution, expect delays, and avoid the area if you can. Also, there's a water main break in Pearl City. That water main break is a 12-inch main. It's closed a portion of Waimano and Luehu Street, and there are water wagons in the area for those impacted customers. We're also following breaking news today in the Alawai area. There's also a down tree that you can see there. That's on University Avenue and Hihiwai Street. Now, we have Jolani Martinez on the scene. She says, fortunately, no one injured, but two vehicles are damaged. We'll be continuing to follow this breaking news so stay with us on air and online for the very latest. Yeah, thank you so much for uh, wrapping up all that's happening out there, Mahea. There is a lot going on, uh, so be sure to stick again with your h and digital platforms. But now we are going to shift to the Super Bowl. Clearly, hey. we have changed the graphics here because it is a very big weekend. Uh, but first, we want to get to a really heartwarming story out of North Carolina. Some students did something really special for one of their teachers. Take a listen to this heartwarming report. Fight, Eagles fight. Growing up outside of Philadelphia, Steve McGill is a lifelong Eagles fan. I'm not a bandwagoner. If we're having a bad year, I'll just be miserable for a, for a year. The pride of the Davidson Day school English teacher, often on display with ties, jerseys, and all. And that's where his beloved students come in. We always knew that Mr. McGill was like a huge Eagles fan. When Grace Mitchell and Natalie Monroe found out Mr. McGill's team was headed to the Super Bowl, they took action. So we just decided, um, I had an idea. I was like, what if we sent Mr. McGill to the Super Bowl? The students quickly created a GoFundMe, raising a few thousand dollars over two days. Still, it wasn't enough to get him to Arizona. I might as well just post a TikTok. Like, I've seen people go viral all this stuff and I was like it's a really long shot but we can just try it and the video took off the TikTok getting thousands of views and thousands of dollars most of it was unbeknownst to me <laughs> but I found out about it and it was like I didn't think it was going to happen but it happened a surprise forming a lifelong connection between an adored teacher and his students and like he just genuinely cares about his students yeah. and everyone has a relationship with him. Students will be more willing to learn from you when they really trust you. And this is as big a validation of that uh, philosophy as I've ever received. How sweet was that, guys? Aww. It's amazing to have great students and great teachers and building that awesome, awesome bond. Hey, but like we mentioned, it is Super Bowl weekend. And for more on this, we are going to bring in our sports What's reporter, up, guys? Kyle hey. Chenen. Hi. All right, Kyle, mm -hmm. you are our sports experts. Uh, first off, tell us about the <laughs> special that you have airing today on our digital platforms. Right, so coming up after This Is Now, during our H&N extended stream, my host, my co-host and I, Davis Pittner of the H&N Overtime Sports Podcast, we were doing a mega Super Bowl special. We were going to be talking the matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. We were talking about the NFL experience, bringing in some of our special guests. We got... Chiefs super Chiefs fans, Lynn Kawano and Sienna <laughs> Pilliton had Mark Carpenter coming in a little bit later talking on the e on behalf of the Eagles. So we're gonna get 
all this information, getting everyone ready for the Super Bowl that's going on this Sunday in Arizona. And I'm excited. I'm a football fan. I I, I love football, and I, I just can't wait. I would hope so. You're our I sports mean, guy. I know. I mean, the sports guy. <laughs> have yeah. to. I have to love this game. Really quickly, I want to ask both of you: What are you guys excited for? Uh, I'll I'll let you go first. Well, I. I love the halftime show. Mm-hmm. Rihanna. <laughs> she, okay, so she just had a baby right. three months ago, and she hasn't performed in years. I know she was a little apprehensive, mm-hmm. but wow, go to the mom power. She's going to yes. be on that stage rocking it. Kyle, real quickly, yes. what about you? What are you excited I, for? I'm excited for the game. You know, you got the Kansas City Chiefs and the Eagles, the Red Hot Eagles. You got the Chiefs. They're always there. They're kind of building that dynasty. Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, but the Eagles, Jalen Hurts, and, you know, they're just so High powered is gonna be so much fun. Real quickly, who's who you think is gonna win? Oh, I can't do I can't do that. <laughs> There's too many Chiefs fans in the office. <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by Kapili Solar Roofing, building peace of mind one roof at a time. Kids City Adventure, Hawaii's only indoor luxury playground, and Long's Drugs. Download the CVS app today and make Long's a part of your day. Pizza. Pizza? Pizza! Hungry for some pizza now? Yeah, that's what we thought. Get yours at Domino's Hawaii. We deliver aloha.